Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Good morning. It is Tuesday, February 20th, five minutes after 11. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Rob, we have a guest in the studio. We do. He's the former attorney general for the state of Indiana, now running for governor on the Republican side. Curtis Hill joins us now. Curtis Hill, hello. How are you? I'm just fine, guys. How are you? I'm great. Uh, I got to say, I was a little disappointed. You come in here looking very dapper. Suit, suit. No Elvis attire, though. Every time you come in, I think (laughs) we're going to finally see you in the Elvis uh, attire, but... No, none, none again this time. Well, if you make a request, I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll leave forms on request, we, not we, on demand. We call like a booking agent, or is exactly. that separate from the campaign? Treat me like a fool, <laughs> treat me mean and cruel. Dude, when you met, uh, oh, this lady that used to be the Supreme Court justice. This is horrible that I'm forgetting her name. Oh, Sandra, uh, Sandra Day O'Connor. O'Connor yes. Did you in you met her in Elvis attire? Right. I, well, I did. She was at. A, we were at a, a prosecutor conference in uh, California, and she was our keynote speaker. And uh, we put on a little Elvis uh, skit uh, out there during the uh, during the celebration, and she loved it. She had a great sense of humor. I, I have a fantastic picture that I shared uh, at the, on her passing. Uh, she had a great sense of humor, and she even commented about it at the keynote uh, luncheon the next day. That's crazy. Should Our- give you a tip. <laughs> oh, don't bet the ponies. <laughs> All right, so. Uh- there was a big uh, sixth district had a governor's forum over the weekend. You got second to Suzanne Crouch. Uh, Tony Kennett was on our show and said, "Hey, if it's on style and substance, you're the clear winner." A lot of people thought that about the Carmel debate, but there are some people who are concerned. People see you, they like you, they get to know you, they like you, but there are people concerned about the money you've raised or lack thereof. Do they have a valid concern, or is it going to be fine? I think we're great. Uh, we're running a grassroots campaign. Uh, you're talking about running a, a campaign uh, with people in this race that can write million-dollar checks. So no matter how much money we raise, there's always going to be that gap where somebody can fill that in. So we don't focus on the, the big, big dollars. We focus on the big, big work that it takes to get around the state to, de- to deliver a message. Uh, I'm convinced that our message is resonating. And so we travel all over the state talking about uh, what we think Hoosiers want and Hoosiers want proven conservative leadership. And the key to that is proven, proven leadership. What are you going to do based on what you've done? And the other folks can't deliver that. Yeah, and and I think that's a a, a big point is um, because you are the one person who during COVID, and we had Suzanne on and she couldn't answer this, and we had Doden on and he kind of answered it. But you're the one guy who during COVID, along with probably John Jacob and, and Kurt Nicely, who stood up to Holcomb. And you were in one person in position of power who stood up to Holcomb because the reality is without you, they would have been trying to put people in jail for not wearing masks during COVID. That's exactly right. You know, four months after the COVID uh crisis uh, developed, uh, Governor Holcomb announced that he was going to uh, issue a mask mandate in July of 2020. In fact, that same day, I issued an an opinion that said, uh, no, you're not. You don't have the authority to create a a criminal, uh, criminal action unilaterally. Uh, and even mapped out, the, the, the document I put together even mapped out, if this is what you want to do, here's how you go about it so there's a constitutional basis. You know, give it to the General Assembly, call them back into session, number one, give them this information, let them debate it, have public forums on it, and if they want to take that ride, they can do it, but then they're accountable for it. So the whole problem with his handling of the pandemic was he was taking actions that had no accountability to the public. When we had Suzanne on, she kept saying, well, I don't want to look to the past. I think you've got to look to the past, though, don't you? you got to look to the past when you're talking about leadership in terms of what's going on you have to map 
what someone has done based on what they will or what someone will do based on what they have done. All of my opponents are loud and proud about I won't do this and I won't do that. How do you know? How do you know? Three of the folks in here have never been in elective service, and until you've been in the crucible, you don't know how you'll respond. Two of the other folks in this race were in in, uh, in elective office, and what did they do? Nothing. Uh, so it does make a difference, and 2020 is a huge opportunity to determine what leadership's about. Curtis Hills, our, our guest, so I think, and I think this is fair to say, and look, I think we've been pretty candid. I've got it down to about two I think I can vote for in this race, and you're one of them. Congratulations. Thank you're, you. I appreciate you're, that. You're still left. Um, and it won't I'm say, holding it, off it won't take her. <laughs> I guess she's the one you really need. But I, look, I think the government proved and the Republican Party proved you can't trust these people because not only did Holcomb do what he did, and people like Suzanne didn't stand up to him, but the entire General Assembly, save for Nicely and 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 uh, John Jacob, nobody else said a word either. So you got to trust the governor to do the right thing, or you got to put somebody in there who you can trust to do the right thing, because these 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 people in the General Assembly were totally subservient you to know, him. You're, that, that's a point that I've raised on a number of occasions. People talk about the the emergency orders for for tw- uh, 23 months. You couldn't have had 23 months of emergency orders without a complicit General Assembly. The 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 first nine months. Okay, he didn't call him back into session. Well, you know what? They didn't work very hard to get back in session because they were just as happy to have this problem passed along to someone else. It's, it's just like when you have the session now. What do you hear from the leadership? Well, we don't want to do anything controversial. Are those the people we want in office who don't want to handle controversial issues? Uh, that's what you had back then. So they came back. I was assured by, uh, by certain uh, folks in the General Assembly, well, Curtis, when we get back into session in January of 2021, we'll take care of this. <laughs> what happened? They got into session? Nothing. Nothing at all. And the emergency orders take place. So you're right. It's, it's, a, it's, it's the governor's issue, but the General Assembly owns it as well. Gubernatorial candidate Curtis Hill is joining us in the studio. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. All right, so um, Rob had mentioned the straw poll in the 6th District. You came in second. There were millions and millions of votes that were cast. Actually, less than 50. (laughs) Um, So it was like, I think Suzanne Crouch got 16 and you got 14 or 12. She got 19 and I had uh, 16. Okay, so you know exactly the exact number. Sure. Do you put a lot of stock in those straw polls? I mean, is that a barometer to you or is that just a thing that happened? It's a thing that happened. We don't put a whole lot of stock in any poll other than the poll on May 7th. Uh, it is an indication of, of, it's an interesting indication when you're talking about the level of established Republicans that go to those things. The, the, the groups that were there were precinct committeemen. So those are insiders. And so you would typically think that the insiders, the way this thing works, uh, would have their more established candidates, which would be Suzanne or Mike. Uh, So me coming out of nowhere, Mm -hmm. uh, coming up with uh, 16 votes in that crowd, that's a pretty interesting development. Uh, It's not a surprise for us. I think it's a big shock for our opponents who think that we're out in left field someplace. It's funny. These guys like to all fancy themselves the outsiders. Um, uh, I, I'm like the uh, the OG here, the original <laughs> mm-hmm. outsider, mm-hmm. Uh, and and we're still fighting to get back in. Uh, so it's it's uh, I think I think it's a great um, I think it's a great indicator, but I don't put too much stock in it because the the, the big work is yet to come. Okay, so you said that you're the OG outsider. Uh, what is your current relationship with the party, and is it a hindrance or a benefit? Well, my relationship with the party that what I consider the party of the people. And with the people, it is rock solid. Uh, I have never been the favored son of the established order in the Republican Party because I've been a threat. 
I'm a threat because I speak my mind. I don't follow the playbook. Uh, and I do, I do my own thing in accordance to the Constitution and what the people want. Uh, that rubs a lot of people the wrong way. That rubs the party chairs, uh, the, the folks, the folks who want the system to stay like it is. You know, I said for years that Indianapolis is ruled by the Indiana Chamber of Commerce, uh, and in, and that's where the money flows. That's where the the power flows. And I came from the Great North. Uh, no one recruited me to run for attorney general. Nobody said this is our guy. This is the, we did it with good old fashioned hard work. Same thing with this governor's race. I'm not anybody's guy, despite what I've been hearing about from some folks. I am not anybody's guy. Um, I'm I'm here representing the people, uh, making sure that we protect their freedom and, and uh, their liberties. That is one thing that you and I have in common. I also come from the Great North. Um, let me ask one more yeah, thing. It's Rob. half your show. Ask because, as many well, as you, you, guys, want. you guys were talking about the mandatory masking, and you kind of led the way on that. Mm-hmm. What is another area that Curtis Hill, as governor, would lead the way on? Uh, well, in the pandemic, we also uh, protected um, uh, gun rights. Uh, uh, we had a, a situation where gun stores were being uh, forced to or uh, demanded to close, and we sent out an opinion that uh, during an emergency in Indiana, uh, you can't close gun stores and you can't uh, uh, inhibit the rights of gun owners. Um, we have led in the area of life, um, uh, not just uh, supporting a culture of life, but uh uh, when the 2,411 aborted babies were found in Illinois. It was a tragic story, and but for our intervention, they would have been destroyed through medical waste, as medical waste. We went into Illinois, brought them back to Indiana, had them buried, and the reason we did that was to establish their humanity and death that was denied them in life. That was a very important aspect of life because even people who were pro-choice were touched by what had happened because it, it allowed them to actually see these aborted babies as human. And that's one of the chief arguments uh, supporting pro, uh, pro-choice issues is that they're not human. We establish that. All right, let's talk about economics real quick, and then we'll get to a break. Okay, so I got one thing in your economic agenda that I really love, and then I got one thing I'm concerned about. Which one do you want first? You're the guest. Which you, one? You, which one? You, you, you pick. Well, I love the fact that you are the only person to have acknowledged that that gas tax that they raised in 2017 is complete crap, and you are for, as you released, mm-hmm. repealing the gas tax back to that level. Back to the 2017 levels. Yeah, it makes it makes no sense uh, uh, for a Republican administration to to annually take this up a little bit and. It's only a $200 million uh, loss to the state, but it's 16 cents every time someone, 16 cents a gallon every time someone goes to the pump. So, in terms of an immediate quick hit, it's an easy, low hanging fruit to be able to offer to Hoosiers to bring them back in line. Why do Republicans keep raising taxes in Indiana? It's just it's like every year, and then they just go out and pe- look at people and go, "Oh, we're we're a party of low taxes. We're the party of, of limited government." We asked Suzanne Crouch this, and she admitted. I mean, under her and Holcomb's administration, government's too big, taxes are too high, government's too inefficient. Why do they keep getting away with this stuff? Because they the the answer that a lot of people have for every problem is throw more money at it. One of, the, one of the pet peeves I have is when I get my brochure from our, our, our local legislators at home and they say, hey, look at us. We increased uh, spending in or, or increased uh, spending in education by 5%. And I'm thinking, why not send me something yeah. that says you cut it by 5%? Because when they increase it by 5%, they don't tell you how much money they've wasted uh, down a rabbit hole. Um, but that's the way that the process seemingly works, and it shouldn't be that way. All right. I love the gas tax. I am concerned because I have not gotten a definitive thing from you on property taxes, which now these citizen surveys have come back from Senate Republicans who are releasing them. I think Nikki Kelly said 18 and 19 mm-hmm. property taxes 
are number one. I'm very poor. I work in radio. Yeah. Uh, how do we uh, how do we ensure that Rob Kendall gets to stay in his his house? What's our plan? Property tax is a huge issue and not one that should be uh, the subject of a of of a uh, uh, talking point or a uh, catchy uh, jingle or, or logo. Um, what we need to have is a comprehensive review of what we have, what we need for government, what our what our absolutes are, and what the things that we would like to do. And then once we determine what we need. Uh, we need to determine a fair process in allocating revenue for that. Uh, property tax is a bane for a lot of people, but guess what? So is income tax. Uh, some people complain about cons- uh, the sales tax. If you eliminate property tax, then you're going to have to bring something else back online. Uh, if you reduce the property tax, you have to have some kind of a fair standard. So what we're really talking about is what is the fairest way to allocate our resources to the things that we need in government. And we are going to do everything that we can to look at a plan. But I'm not going to make a promise that we're going to slash the property tax and we're going to slash the X tax. We're going to take a comprehensive review of what it takes to run government. And believe me, I'll give you an example. Uh, the Education Department. There's over 270 folks in the Indiana Department of Education. That's a lot. That's too much. That's a lot of people. That's too much. Yeah. How, how, how are they helping the third graders read? So we're going to slash that by half. Um, like we're that. we're going to come in and look at things in a realistic manner. And the only way that you can do that is to have a genuine understanding of how government works. And folks who've never been in government have no idea. I've seen the fat that exists in all of these departments, and we're going to take care of it. All right, you're going up to Lafayette later, right? Yes, sir. So let's take a break. I want to ask you about LEAP. I want to ask you about mm-hmm. IEDC. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I want to ask you about uh, the guy who followed you in office, what he's going through right now, and if he's getting a fair shake. <laughs> oh, and then there's my questions, too. <laughs> Casey, take us to break. <laughs> it's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC, and we'll be back with Curtis Hill. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. 22 minutes after 11, it's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC and gubernatorial candidate Curtis Hill is joining us. All right, Curtis, so the Indiana National Guard... Uh, being deployed down to Texas. They're expected to be down there for about 10 months at a cost of $7.1 million. And you had actually called for the governor to send troops down to the southern border. And what are your thoughts now that action has been taken? Well, I'm grateful that he listened. I think that we are, uh, that we should have done it quite some time ago. Um, We need to be able to support uh, our friends at the border. Border issues and immigration are federal issues. It's, it's, it's very clear to me that I, I know the law. The problem is the federal government's not doing their job. And we have millions and millions and millions of illegals coming into the country. And once they cross that border, they are as good as in Indiana. So the best thing that we can do is, is on all fronts, devise a plan in which we can help at the border itself and then back that up with plans here locally. And locally, we have got to do more to ensure that employers are not hiring illegals we can't have a safe landing for illegals, no matter how compassionate it may sound. Um, because here's what we're even seeing. We're seeing folks in the black communities in Chicago and other big cities complaining because of the resources that are going to illegals as opposed to in their own communities. Well, that's what happens. We're talking about severe displacement. You have limited resources in any community and you bring in these outside uh, influences. They got to eat. They got to have housing. Well, there's only so much. 
and we have to take care of our own first. Now, we've heard a lot from Mike Braun talking about the border, obviously, as a uh, current sitting senator. He's got a platform to do that. And I'm curious, how do you combat um, that platform that Mike Braun has and what what separates you from him and the other candidates? Well, it's pretty interesting because we see Mike on the campaign trail. Mike talks a lot about federal issues and, and the, the, the problems with the federal government and what this is failing and what that's failing. And he talks about what he's done as our junior senator uh, to combat that. And my question is, then why are you leaving? Why are you leaving, Mike? If you're actually getting the job done, uh, shouldn't you be pursuing more of that? Uh, but at the same time, he says, well, I'm leaving because I can't get anything done. So I'm kind of confused. I think Hoosiers are kind of confused. And there's no clear indication of what's being done. When you're talking about a Senate and a Congress that accomplished nothing, let me repeat that, nothing, it's very hard to point to that as a successful venture at all. So I believe that we need to be looking at not just votes that went nowhere. What have people actually done? You're talking about coming in for executive leadership. Executive leadership means I'm going to do, not I'm going to vote. I'm going to do. Demonstrate what you're going to do by based on what you've done. Curtis Hill is our guest or running for governor on the Republican side. Uh, why are you guys being so nice to Braun? Like, you got, you guys got such a made-for issue. He voted for 40-plus tax increases in 2017, the largest tax increase in state history, which is the gas tax. And nobody seems to have laid a glove on this guy yet. When do we start... Uh, I mean, can you like send I think a, maybe it began just yeah, now. But. It? I mean, like, when, <laughs> when do we start holding this guy accountable? Because my concern, if Braun gets in there, if he did it once before as a legislator, he'll do it again as a governor unless somebody holds him accountable. So is it like, is there a moment? Is it like March 1st? When do we start going at Braun on all the tax increases that he voted for? Well, from my standpoint, my campaign is about uh, educating the community, the, the statewide community, about Curtis Hill and what we have, what we plan to do. Uh, when the issues come up, we will line out the distinctions and differences between us. Um, it's not about slinging mud, um, but I don't think it's a matter of slinging mud. I think it's a matter of establishing records. Um, uh, for example, uh, uh, Mike brought out his uh, proposal for public safety um, this past week. And when we saw the public safety proposal, he talked about his support for law enforcement. Well, boom, we said, well, not so fast here. You weren't exactly supporting law enforcement back in the uh, in the days of the pandemic um, and uh, Black Lives Matter. I mean, he supported Black Lives Matter. I have been very clear uh, in my record. Black Lives Matter is a racist organization, is anti-family, anti-Semitic, anti just about anything that we value. And anyone who says I support Black Lives Matter um, wasn't reading the tea leaves properly. Um, but that's the position he was. So, so I think it's important for, for voters to ask those questions and get clarification of, well, what does that mean? Uh, Curtis Hills, our guest. Hey, before we go to break, you're going to Lafayette today, right? Yes, sir. Those people are really pissed off about the Leap District. Oh, as well they should be. And, and we are, and uh, we think it's just ridiculous what they're doing up there. Uh, as governor, how would you handle IEDC? Would you put the kibosh on the Leap District? How would you handle all this? Well, the Leap District is an exact uh, example of what government should not be doing, picking winners and losers, uh, state engaging in a process where they're going in into a community and, and taking over. Uh, so that shouldn't happen. In a, in a more generalistic approach, uh, the, the, the Indiana Economic Development Corporation has become the shadow government. It has become... The, the lack of transparency issue. I mean, it was put in place primarily to allow government to do things that it couldn't ordinarily do. Shift some money over to the private sector, and then the private sector saying, well, now we, we don't have to talk about this yeah. because we're private. 
I can see some part of that, but it's gotten too big, it's gotten too onerous, and it's doing exactly what we don't want government to do, but outside of government. So yes, we're going to put the kibosh. Uh, I haven't determined whether it's um, uh, necessary to, to completely eliminate the economic development, because there are some aspects of that program that make sense. Having a backdrop that, that provides assistance to local communities that are trying to develop, trying to grow, trying to be attractive, there is a, ne a mechanism there. But it, it has definitely become bastardized. All right, let's take another break. you got time to hang around one, one more segment? All I'm right, good. perfect, we'll do it. All right, it's Kendall and Casey. It's 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. 1133 with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC and Curtis Hill, gubernatorial candidate, sticking around the studio. All right, Curtis, so the Senate Elections Committee, they added an amendment to House Bill 1265, and that says that a, a person can have been disbarred or suspended without automatic reinstatement within a year. If you want to be Attorney General, you have been Attorney General. How uh, thoughts on that amendment? But that was uh, that's that's recently. Yeah, mm -hmm. that was just yesterday. Yeah, it wow. passed the committee six yeah, to two. Just they, they must anticipate something uh, <laughs> down the pike here. They're 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 uh, they're worried about one of their friends. Is that it? You're not you're not shedding any tears for Okita though, right? Because I mean, he was horribly mean to you in that court. His thing was, hey, the Supreme Court's totally above approach. They're great. They're the best, and now they're just the worst. So you're not shedding any tears for him, are you? Well, you know, when the shoe's on the other foot. Yeah. You know, it's it's uh, it's. Um, um, I I do watch that process from time to time. The disciplinary process uh, is interesting in the sense that they think they can put their thumb on the scale uh, in political ventures. Uh, um, but uh, yeah, I, I, we'll let we'll let uh, General Rakita deal with that issue on his own. <laughs> you got one more, Casey? Yeah, I do. Um, okay, so this is a pretty generic question. How do you separate yourself from the pack, and what is the Curtis Hill message? Well, it's easy to separate myself from the pack, uh, and we do have people from time to time that say, oh, we have these great candidates, and any one of them will do. I think that's bunk. Uh, I think that's garbage. If somebody thinks that any one of us would be just as same as the other, they're not paying attention, or they want uh, four more years of, of uh, Eric Holcomb. Um, we've got a couple of individuals, three individuals who've never served in an elective office before. Uh, they may be wonderful people. But uh, when you're talking about a position of this magnitude, the, the CEO of the state, uh, you need to the, the people really need to know where you're coming from. They need to know your basis. Uh, so uh, we're different there because I do have a record. Um, and when we talk about the folks who do have a record, uh, let's take the lieutenant governor. Uh, she's been lieutenant governor going on eight years now. She talks about bold leadership. She, she gives excellent talking points. Uh, she can sit there and spit out conservative this, conservative that, conservative this, conservative that, and the heads nod and the hands clap. But people look at her and say, but what have you done? that tells me that you will do this. And if you look back at her record as lieutenant governor, I would suggest nothing, nothing. Um, same thing with Mike Braun. Um, what have you done going forward? Mike talks about his voting record in the Senate. Um, okay, uh, this is an executive office here. What have you done? And then when it comes to me, I, my message is very, very clear. Um, I, I, I talk about 
the fact that we're witnessing the manipulation of justice, that we're looking at, that we're, we're, we're living through the weaponization of race, the sexualization of our children, the attack on absolute truth, and what have I done to support those things? In terms of liberty, I have a clear record. I, I stood up against government uh, that wanted to mandate the wearing of masks. Now, that was an indication. That was one thing, but it was an indication of many things that we did, standing up for churches, standing up for life, standing up for gun rights. We did it. We did the work. It's in the it, it's baked in the record. Um, so what sets us apart is I have experience inside of how the government process works. Uh, I've uh, I've certainly uh, uh, been been uh, uh, targeted and attacked uh, for my conservative values and viewpoints. And uh, I'm not afraid to uh, stand up for for the people. How do you get that message out there? Because clearly you don't have the bankroll size that some of the other candidates do. And you can't be on WIBC every day. Yeah, we could have had a well, lot yes, of fun. I we, could have, actually. we could have had a lot of fun with $9 million. That $9 million Doden and <laughs> Chambers have spent, we could have had a lot of fun with that money. Well, I, you know, it's interesting. I, I heard that one of the candidates, uh, uh, one of the self-funders had, had spent uh, $5 million uh, already. And I'll ask you two, what has he got to show for it? Yeah. So, uh, and, and there's another thing I can tell you about these millionaire candidates uh, there's there's uh, four four uh, well three of them three millionaire candidates in this race. One thing I can tell you is at least two of them are going to lose. Yeah, that's I mean, a great so point. so <laughs> the idea that it's all about the money, money is helpful. We want money. We're out raising money, um, but the critical thing is is the votes. And so you to your point, how do we get our message out there? We get our message out there by the way I got my message out when I ran for attorney general. Grassroots appeal. We travel the state. We talk to groups. Uh, there's an exponential value. Every time I speak to a group of two or more, it, it explodes into something else. Um, people say, people talk about it. We, we employ the use of social media. I would rather, I would rather depend on the little guy to get us into office than these big corporations in Indianapolis that have control. And that's why we're uncorruptible. That, when you're an outsider like I am, you are uncorruptible incorruptible part of my grammar that's all right we're not we don't, we, we'll let you slide on that one all right i want to get you out of here with this and you know i've said you, you know I'm, I'm basically in it for spite at this point and uh, so <laughs> you know, i don't think that's any surprise to you i, I think state government needs a wrecking ball uh-huh. i think uh, i think a sledgehammer i just think these people the holcomb administration has just the things they've done to this state and to these people and if i'm being realistic i mean i think i've got it down to two and of the two i've got it down to you're probably the one with the best realistic shots so i kind of probably need you to do well uh, <laughs> i'm just working it through it's like a counseling like you're, like you're, like you're thinking to yourself right a commitment there kind of probably maybe uh, what how are you gonna how are you gonna close the gap and i mean if you believe the polling do you believe the polling it's just hey braun's got 35 percent of the vote you believe that's real how do you close the gap it would whether it's 20 25 points over the next three months what do you do we keep working uh, we simply keep working. This process is 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 like it's always been. You work, you connect. Um, I was not the favored when I ran for attorney general. That's a good point. Um, and we worked the process, and so we're going to continue to move forward. Uh, you, you talk about a wrecking ball. Uh, the thing about a wrecking ball and a disruptor is you also have to be a builder. And, and so it's not enough to destroy and tear down government. And I'll do that. 
but I have to have the ability to re to reinvent it and reinvigorate it. Uh, at the end of the day, we're talking about a positive message. We want Indiana to be uh, the lifeblood of the nation, and you can't do that. Destroy, destroy, destroy. You have to build it up. All right, twenty seconds. Where can people find you if they want to learn more and maybe see you in an Elvis outfit of some sort? Well, uh, it's CurtisHill.com is the easiest way. CurtisHill.com, and uh, you can connect with, with us on our social media uh, platforms as well. All right, Curtis Hill. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, guys. You're Appreciate listening it. to Kendall and Casey on ninety-three WIBC.